0: Welcome to the Life of Jesus, Lesson 6. Uh, we're going to pick up on page 21. 20- well, I think our pages are a bit different now, aren't they? What, what page is it for you, the archangels? It's 22, is it? Or it's on 21 on mine? All right, we're going to pick up page either 21 or 22. <laughs> uh, talking about the archangels. <coughs> and um, let me just turn the page here. The word archangel actually means high exalted... A chief angel. Meaning that this is actually making reference to an angel's rank not type. That means that all the angels we have encountered up to now who work very closely to God and his throne could easily be classified as archangels. Now there's a bit of a um, difference of opinion about this. Um, It took me quite a while to get to this conclusion uh, because some people classify archangels as a type of angel. But the more I studied it, the more I began to realize um, that the word itself tells you it's an angel that is in a high position. It's an archangel, as opposed to a cherubim or a seraphim. Or you know, do you understand four living creatures? This tells you this is like this is an archangel. These are all angels, and some are given this position. All right, and so. Archangel, yes, okay. Alright, so now, because now that, that, now that we understand that it is actually a rank, then we can understand that there'll be several archangels. Now, we only know of one archangel in the Bible, alright, that specifically talks about Michael, the archangel. Okay? All the rest are guesses, <laughs> okay? When people have said that Lucifer is an archangel, that's a guess, because it never identifies him as an archangel only Michael. We, we hypothesized that Gabriel, you know, who was sent to Mary and Elizabeth from the throne of God. Remember when, you know, Zachariah said, how do I know? Remember that? <laughs> Bad thing Zachariah said. And Gabriel turned around and says, I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> you know, and I'm bringing you this information. So It's kind of like, you know, so people have uh, surmised that Gabriel probably is an archangel as well. But it never calls him an archangel, and that would again be, you know, a hypothesis. It would be something that we are theorizing, and I don't like to go down the way of theory. I, to imagine it is lovely. Okay, so we can say, yeah, probably Gabriel is, and so on and so forth. But if we want to be totally biblical about this, only Michael is classified as an archangel. Now, if you read some of the Apocrypha and stuff, the, other, the added, you know, um, Bible books of the Bible that the Catholics have. They've got Raphael and all sorts of other ones that are archangels. I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so get, getting back to this, there's only, again, as I said before, there's only one direct reference in the Bible to an angel that is classified as an actual archangel, and that is in the epistle of Jude, where it says in verse 9, it doesn't have any chapters, so it's just verse 9. It says, yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring uh, against him a, a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So in, in other words, it's basically this tells us that even Michael, who was an archangel when he came against the devil, he didn't speak in his own name. Okay? He didn't come against the devil and, and accuse him and slander him you know, for whatever dumb move he made. Alright? And for whatever he was trying to do in his own name. So it's very interesting that even the archangels, they take their orders from God. They come to, to, to Lucifer, to the devil, and says, The Lord rebukes you. Interesting, isn't it? When it tells us to use the word of God. Because the angels do the same thing. Amen. Alright, added to this, uh, there's also the reference in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13, which says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but... For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit, uh, spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. All right, so that's interesting. That was the angel that came to Daniel. Uh, this was his account of what had happened. So Daniel had been praying for 21 days, okay, and God heard him the first day, and the first day he was dispatched. Amen. So understand something. You know, things may take a little while to manifest. The problem is not on God's end. Okay? There's a lot going on that we don't know. All right? Now, we're not in the same position that Daniel was. We have a recreated spirit. We have direct access to God. Boy, the, the deck is stacked in our favor. Okay? I mean, we can take the enemy down if we need to and want to. We, that's what the weapons of our warfare is all about. Okay? Uh, but the thing is, back then, Daniel wasn't born again. Daniel didn't have all the things that we, have. we don't have. He didn't have the Spirit living in him. He wasn't a new creation, so he had to just wait it out. Aren't we in a privileged place? Amen? All right. In his book, uh, i like to bring some of these things out. Um, not a lot, but I'll give you little snippets. In his book, Angels on Assignment, Charles uh, and Francis Hunter say that, I shouldn't say his book, in their book. Sorry. My bad. <coughs> Charles and Francis Hunter say that many angel, angels have a rank or position in the heavenly army similar to a general or captain. Each one has his own responsibilities with a chain of command under him, for whatever it's worth. Okay, now this is a book, this is in the gospel. Okay, I'll give you little things like this every so often, please take them for what it's worth, don't read too much into them. Okay, this is clearly seen in what Revelation chapter 12, if I can support it, I'll give it to you. So this is why I gave it to you, alright. So we can see this uh, in what Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9 says, and that is, and war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels, notice they are his angels, alright, "fought uh, fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. <coughs> oh, sorry. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, so now you know what earth they got cast out to. Okay. Hunter comments on this verse and says, when Lucifer fell, he took a section of angels of different ranks with him. So he also has a chain of command, which means there are also various levels of demons. The Apostle Paul validates this when he says in Ephesians chapter six and verse 12, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Every single one of those is a different rank. Okay, all right. One last point from the uh, from what the Apostle Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter four verses sixteen and seventeen, archangels must have incredibly powerful and commanding voices. It says there, for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Interesting that it equaled it to a voice of an archangel. All right, and uh, it says, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then uh, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is the um, rapture. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Alright, on to communication angels. I'm, I'm, I'm going through this fairly quickly because I didn't really want to spend a lot of time in this. Um, there are some tremendous things we need to get to still. All right, I'm just giving you an introduction into angels and just the ones that the Bible talks about, just so that, okay, we're good, all right, okay? Um, Just so you're you're not ignorant of what the Bible does say about angels. And if you hear stuff outside of what you've you've learned, I want you to know it's outside of what the Bible says, straight away, okay? And then you can make some informed decisions about what you want to believe. All right, now when we come to one of the... uh, now we come, excuse me, to one of the most important class of angels in the Bible, God's communication angels. And the famous of all is the angel, or more correctly, the archangel, we, we think, okay? I think he's an archangel, Gabriel. Scripture indicates that he is the chief of all God's communication angels and, and looks so human that the prophet Daniel says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 21, Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel. So it's interesting that Gabriel looked like a man. Remember, if he saw Lucifer, okay, if, that, if he, Lucifer, Lucifer is a cherubim class angel, which we are told he was, then the thing would have all these faces and wings and all sorts of things. So it's interesting now that we're seeing Gabriel. He seems to be a, a, um, an angel in a different class, a different type of angel again and he looks human and we're going to find that the angels that work under him look the same. They seem to be human and now did I put this reference, could you just give me one second let me just jump ahead. Ah yes, we will get to it. I did put it in. So I won't jump ahead. So um, let's just keep going. <laughs> Uh, it says here again, uh, while I was speaking again in, in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, or as the NRV puts it, came to me in swift flight, telling us immediately that he wasn't just a man, reached me about the time of the evening offering. So, he's flying. Now, we don't know how many wings he has. There's no description, okay, sadly, about any of those things. Ezekiel was wonderful, he told us a lot of stuff, <laughs> okay, and Isaiah the same thing. Isaiah was talking about the, cher- uh, the seraphim with six wings, and Ezekiel told us about the cherubim with the four wings, and Daniel doesn't tell us anything. Anyway, so <laughs> from this we can safely say that not only is Gabriel human-looking, but, also, um, can, but can also conceal his wings when needed. And why Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 says, don't forget to show hospita- hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Pretty cool, huh? Okay. They will, they will come out of all over the place to help us, too, by the way. And um, yeah, I could tell stories, but I won't. Um, and it is these angels, and especially Gabriel, their chief, that the Lord sends when things of great importance are about to occur. Now, that's the reason why I classified him as an archangel. Again, the scriptures don't say it, that is Rosh. Okay, just me, all right? I'm just telling you, I'll be honest with you, all right, but from the scriptures and from the way he turns up, from the jobs he's given, to me, I would believe that he would be an archangel, okay, but of a different class to Michael. Why would one archangel need help from another archangel? Because one is communications, the other one is a war angel, <laughs> okay? It's like, uh, Michael, I need to get through, which is interesting that Michael is working for Gabriel. Because he left Michael fighting. That's right. Interesting, isn't it? it? I should rephrase it. He's not working for Gabriel, but I believe there will be the same class for him to allow him to say, okay, go through. Okay, he's, he's chief of this, get through. We'll look after the, you know, we'll look after the battle up here. Um, sorry I said that wrong. All right. I get overexcited. Okay, I get it all wrong some days. When I'm editing my message, I go, why did I say that? I, I don't edit these, so I've got to get it, I've got to fix it as we go. Alright, um, where are we? Alright, and it, it is these angels, especially Gabriel the chief, that the Lord sends when things of great importance are about to occur. In the New Testament, the first appearance of the angel Gabriel is in Luke chapter 1, where it says in verses 11 through 13, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now it's very interesting, it's a, it calls him the angel of the Lord. That's another reason why I think he might be an archangel again, okay? standing on the right-hand side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Okay, so that was the angel Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. And then instead of... <laughs> remember again, we went through this. this is, I put this in because of what Gabriel says. And Zechariah said to the angel, How should I know... Know this, for I am an old man and wife is advanced in years, and listen to him. He says, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. That is a key statement. Very few can do this. It is a statement of great significance that shows Gabriel, Gabriel's exalted position in heaven. And he goes on to say, and was sent to speak to you, which is what communication angels do and bring you these glad tidings, and behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak." Now, it's interesting that he had the power to make this guy mute, which is really interesting as well. "...and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe..." What? Interesting, he didn't say, because you did not believe God's word. See what he says? "...because you did not believe my words." So, obviously, this is a very powerful angel. See, It's very rare that Angels have uh, the power to have this, do this to man. Okay, it's it's not a normal thing. The devil might make you think that it happens all the time, but it doesn't really. Okay, otherwise all of us would get possessed. You know what I mean? It'd just be going crazy. This is a pretty special thing when an angel can carry out a judgment like this. All right, and he didn't go back to God to check to see, can I make him dumb, please? Because the guy is going to mess everything up. (laughs) Do you understand? He made a judgment call right there, and He said, I'm going to make you dumb because I know what, this is going to, what the problems are going to be now. Right? And uh, obviously God didn't um, rebuke him. That's Gabriel. All right. And He says again, you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled. Okay? Which is now a reference to God's words in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias to marvel that he lingered so long in the temple. Anyway, we'll look at this incident in greater detail when we look at the life of Jesus, right? But for now, notice the position and the power that this angel has and what he is capable of doing. So it is not only about communicate, uh, communicating God's word, but also having the power and the authority to make sure it is carried out. Even if that means striking someone dumb or is in Daniel 10.13 calling for Michael the archangel to assist him in getting his job done. Okay, Alright, now following this disappointing visit with Zacharias, Gabriel next goes to Mary's house, as we know, in Luke chapter 1 verses 26 and 27, saying, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named, uh, whose name was Joseph, and of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. So here again, we see how Gabriel is sent to communicate God's will to a human being. Amen. This time to Mary, and unlike Zacharias, once the angel explains God's will to Mary, she says, I love this, I had to put it in. In Luke 1.38, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That's the way you receive a blessing. Amen, and a miracle. All right, and the angel departed from her. He didn't have any problems with her. I think we would have gone, oh, this is a better visit. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Uh, you know, like I said before, these angels have personalities they have feelings, you know, they can get disappointed too, all right, which is why he got upset. See, if he didn't have any feelings, he wouldn't have got upset with Zacharias. He's got feelings. He's sitting there going, really, are you giving me lip? Seriously? You know, you can tell there's attitude there. He's going, I'm going to shut you up, dude, you know, it's just like, comes to Mary and goes, let's see how this one works out. And she goes, be it unto me. I like you. Okay, I can see why you picked her. She's a good one. All right, all right. So <laughs> one other place in scripture that uh, shows that these angels are not only human looking, but this is what I was going to jump ahead to, but also very powerful is in Genesis chapter 19, where it says in verse 5, now remember I said the angels that work with Gabriel look like him, like they are, they have the same characteristics of him. So he looks like human, his angels will look human too, because they are, their job is to communicate with us, without freaking us out. Do you understand? You want to go attack the throne, then get freaked out. Because you'll run into cherubim and seraphim and all sorts of things. But if God's talking to you, no freaking out. He'll send somebody that you you, go, I like him, he's a good guy. Okay. Alright, it says here, They, the evil men of Sodom, shouted uh, to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? I'm sorry about this. Bring them out so we can have sex with them. Wonderful group, aren't they? All right. The reason I put that in is the interesting thing about that is that these people must have looked so human and obviously their appearance was, you know, quite dazzling, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, Brad Pitt, you know, <laughs> or whatever, I don't know, whoever, okay, Sean Connery, whoever you like. But, you know, they would have gone, whoa, yeah, baby, all right. So, it's interesting that they didn't say, oh, check the wings out. Okay, they obviously saw them as beings like themselves, very attractive, and, peop- you know, people that, uh, yeah, you know the rest. All right, and... In <laughs> You know, <laughs> and in response to this evil request, alright, it says in verse 11, then they, these, the angels, alright, blinded the men of Sodom so that they couldn't find the doorway. And that's, that's a nice way of doing it. Alright, so it's interesting that they had that power to just shut them down. Okay, and uh, so again, obviously the, the angels that work with Gabriel are quite powerful as well. That's why I think he's, you know, I think he's probably an archangel in the realms of God. Okay, he's probably very high in that, in that order. So it is no wonder that God was about to destroy these two cities with this kind of behavior going on. Amen. Alright, now the Watchers. And these guys, <laughs> not only does God have communication angels, but also angels who keep watch over certain individuals, appropriately called the Watchers. Now, if you saw Noah, don't believe anything. I'm sorry but just don't believe it. it's just all fantasy man and uh, anyway they've got angels there and they've called them watchers and they you know they try to help human beings and then they were punished for it and it is all garbage okay it's just garbage it shows god as just a horrible god really when you really look at it and uh, no was no 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 better anyway so, but these guys, alright, they are called watchers because their job is to watch, which is really interesting. Why is it interesting? Because, you know, I always think, well, God, you're all over the place, you're omnipresent, you understand omnipresence? Okay, means you can be everywhere at once. Alright, now if God, if you're everywhere at once, why do you need a watcher? Okay, which tells us something, that God restricts himself to what he sees. It's interesting, huh? If you want him to know something, he'll know it. But if you don't, you know, it's interesting how that works. Because he gave you a will. There are things that, you know, he, he... I don't know how else to put this. But it's almost like he has the ability to exclude himself from certain areas of your life and certain things in your life if you don't want him there. He can be there, but he'll exclude himself from there. If he is God, then he has the power to do that. Okay? It's not an uncontrollable thing that he's everywhere all the time and goes, I'm sorry, I was there when you flushed, you know, whatever. Okay? <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? It, it's not like that. He can be. And this is, again, why we, what we need to understand about God that he's got all of this power, but it's all under control. Okay? Do you understand? All right? Okay. So, sorry, what was that? meekness, exactly. All right, he's a gentleman. Okay. Okay. All right. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. All right. So <coughs> it is not certain if there are a particular kind of angel or whether there are one of the kinds of angels we've already looked at, perhaps the same angels that communicate who are also given the task to keep watch. We don't know. Okay. Either way, there is only one mention of watchers in scriptures, and that is in Daniel chapter 4, where King Nebuchadnezzar says in verses 13 and 14, I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. So notice three things. First, this angel is called a watcher. Second, these watchers are holy. Third, they come from heaven, and therefore from God. And it says he, the watcher, cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches and dot, dot, dot. It goes on from there. All right, now that's it. That's the only reference. So, um, excuse me. Uh, Let's just keep reading because it's it's still in this chapter. All right, in chapter 4, continuing in verse 17. "This This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. Um, gives it, oh, Excuse me. <laughs> that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever He will, and sets over it the lowest of men. So it, it's saying basically, and He says, "This dream I Nebuchadnezzar have seen." So He's saying, "You know what? God decides who goes where. All right. And God will exalt people. God will put people down. All right. And He did that with Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, He was eating grass for a while. Okay. After He said, "I am a God," and, and all these wonderful things, and messed up. Now in, in response to this, as we read further down, Daniel then uh, says in chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24, and in as much as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying chop down the tree and destroy it, blah blah blah, this is the interpretation O king, this is the decree of the most high. And so he, he goes on and says which has come upon my lord and then Daniel goes and explains okay, the vision in those verses uh, and so on and so forth. So what is important? What is of importance, excuse me, to us at this point is that with what Daniel says in verse 23, he's not, he not only confirms that these angels were in fact sent from God and therefore holy, but also that they are in fact watchers sent to watch over the affairs of men. All right, That's it. No more angels. Okay? I know people think there's more about angels, but that's it. All right? As far as the types of angels go. Do you understand? Now going let's go on to the war in heaven and we'll check we'll look at the rebellion of uh, and the fall of Lucifer. Now we get back into stories, all right? Now we've done the introduction, you have been introduced to the characters. Okay? <laughs> you know their names, you know their ranks, you know what they're created to do. Now well, let's see what they did. All right. So, following the creation of that 1.5 trillion angels, we have a very curious statement in the epistle of Jude verse 6. Which only has again ha- has only one chapter, okay? Where it says, should be has one chapter. I'm sorry. Yeah, which only has. Hmm. It says there, and the angels which kept not their first estate. Notice the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He God has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now there's a mouthful in there. It's telling us a lot of what something of something that went on. Alright and notice again it's all past tense. Notice the angels which kept not, okay, their first estate but left, again past tense, their own in uh, their own habitation he, that is God, has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. So this is something that is reserved for them. It's coming. Okay, for something they've done in the past. Okay, can you see that dynamic there? Alright. So this immediately tells us that there must have been some kind of rebellion in heaven. And uh, why even the Apostle Peter says in his epistle uh, in Second Peter 2 Peter 2.4, God spared not, again past tense, the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. And delivered them into chains of darkness, again past tense, okay, to be reserved unto judgment sometime in the future. All right, so we've got past tense, past tense, and again future tense. As to what exactly happened, uh, here is what we'll be looking at next, beginning in Ezekiel chapter 28. The first ten verses talks about a natural king who is in power and refers to him as the Prince of Tyre. And it is essential that we look at what it says about this man Because everything he thinks and does is actually inspired by Satan himself who did the exact same thing in time past that led to the rebellion and ultimately the war in heaven. Alright, so let me just explain that to you. One of the things that I began to realize as I was studying this which is what really got me is that our history isn't our history. The stuff that has gone on in our past actually had another past and when we start to look at this you're going to start to realize that the thing that inspires or a lot of what has gone on in our so-called past all right actually was instrumental in doing that in his history in his time and you know what he just brings it forward into our time and as i began to study this and that's the reason why you know we uh, Normally, I would just study from when it starts to talk about the devil. Alright? But, you know, as I was studying this, the Lord said, no, you've got to study the first verses. And I said, why? He said, because you're going to miss something really significant. He said, you need to understand why people do what they do. Where the inspiration is coming from, and it isn't anything new get what I just said? It's not new. This is an ancient evil that has already done this in a past time that is still doing it today through man. Do you understand? And so those people that do not make Jesus Christ Lord are pawns in his game and it is a game that has begun God knows when, millennia ago, okay? And it's still going on today. It's incredible. As we see this you'll begin to understand why it is so important. So that's the reason Paul writes in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, i over the page, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, uh, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The reason that he says this, This is where the power to control the masses lies. Okay? And just as a godly ruler can bring peace and prosperity to an entire nation, an ungodly ruler can do the exact opposite. And I think we've seen that as well. You know, you get the wrong people in power, and wow, you know, everyone suffers. However, before we can look at Ezekiel 28, verses 1 through 10, let's first skip ahead uh, to verses. 11 through 15. Now, we are not going to get through this today, obviously, so we'll pick this up next next time. All right, but let's do an introduction into it. We'll skip ahead to verses 11 through 15 and identify, first of all, who is actually uh, being addressed so that we can then go back and observe the parallels that exist that exist between these two passages. All right, so we're just going to jump ahead a couple of verses. All right. Look at something, and then as, you, as we begin to read verses 1 through 10, talking about the natural king, you'll go, wow, this is, this is incredible. All right, all right. so reading in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 15, and I'm not going to explain it, I just want to read it, because we will explain it later. All right, it says there, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Remember first, we, we were talking about the prince, Now we're talking about the king. This is the real power behind it. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, I have actually read this from some of the commentaries and it's laughable what they say. They say, oh no, he's just making a joke and he's just saying this and that. This is very specific. Okay, he isn't talking in a joking manner like, oh yeah, you came from heaven, ha ha ha, and you were perfect, and ha ha. Do you understand? It's not like that. This is a very serious thing. Ezekiel is writing this specifically from what God's telling him to write. Alright, and so he says here, he says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Told you there were two of them. Alright. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire. A lot of things there, okay? The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. We'll explain all of this when we get to it. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked backward and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you, Right? First, notice in verse 14 that he identifies; uh, he is identified as a cherub, okay? He is identified as a cherub, alright? So, the next thing, meaning that the creature being referred to here is actually a cherubim class angel, which, which fits perfectly with the fact that God created all the angels. Remember he said you were created? Alright? So, because see, we're not created, we're born. Do you understand the difference? Okay, but this thing was created. All the angels—not one angel was born. Every single one was individually created by God. Do you get me? Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, Second, notice. Okay, yeah. Notice also in verse 14 that it says, "You were on the holy mountain of God," confirming that this would have to be referring to an angel and not a human being. Because no human being alive has ever set foot on the holy mountain of God. Okay, so these are just some key things. When you put them all together, if you were to take one and argue about it, okay, maybe we can argue. But when you start putting them one after the other, first he's a cherub, then he was created, then he was in the holy mountain of God, do you understand? It starts to pile up. Okay, And finally notice in verse 15 that this being was created not born from the day that you were created aside from Adam and Eve, all of mankind, ever since Eden, have been born, not created. All right, okay. So clearly, this passage is passage is. Sorry about the little is there. Okay, okay, is referring to a cherubim class angel that was created along with all the other angels and that had walked on the holy mountain of God. And as to who this was in Isaiah's account, uh, he is immediately identified in chapter fourteen and verse twelve where the prophet Isaiah writes, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Okay, so Isaiah identifies him straight away. Okay, all right, so that means Lucifer is a cherubim class angel. And following his fall, there are many names he now goes by. Uh, the first is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Added to this, we also know from Revelation 12:9 That there are several other descriptions given of him, uh, with the Apostle John writing there. So the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Boy, there's a lot of names for him there. Okay, (laughs) who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Okay? All right. Um, Let me just read this and we'll stop there. The believer study Bible says that the word Satan is derived from the Hebrew verb meaning to lie in wait. From this word develops the nuance of adversary or opponent. Other prominent names of Satan include devil, diabolus, okay, which means accuser, and the ruler of the power of the air, the prince of this world, the adversary. All the references are there. Beelzebub and the great dragon. All right, so. These are all the names that he's called by and referred to in different ways, okay? And so, when we come back, now that we've established the fact that it is Satan that is being referred to in all these verses, okay, verses 11 through 19, we're going to get a better understanding of what verses 2 through 10 means when God says to Ezekiel about the Prince of Tyre who is being totally influenced by the devil and says, son of man, give the Prince Attire this message. all right? And we'll look at that next time. We're going to have to leave it there. I've totally run out of time. Alright. Let's stop there. We'll pick it up there next time and we'll get straight into it. And uh, let's pray and conclude for tonight. Hallelujah.